Today's episode is brought to you by the Clackamas County Winter Fair and Holiday Market. Lights, holiday treats and crafts, festive cheer, and of course, Santa and Mrs. Claus. Fridays and Saturdays from December 2nd through the 23rd, 5 to 10 p.m., only at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby. Tickets and information at ccwinterfair.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> and if you would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Clausen, and this is what's happening this week in our community. Officials have issued an urgent weather warning for Canby and the surrounding areas in the days leading up to the Christmas holiday, which are expected to deliver possible snow and ice and the coldest temperatures Western Oregon has seen in nearly a decade. Temperatures are expected to plunge into the low teens or colder Wednesday night and stay cold through at least Friday morning. Thursday morning will likely bring the coldest temperatures since 2014, according to the National Weather Service, with lows of a chilly 13 degrees Fahrenheit predicted in the Portland and a frigid 9 degrees in Hillsborough. Low temperatures of at least 10 degrees below freezing were predicted throughout the Willamette Valley and westward. Prepare now to protect people, pets, and livestock, and plants, the NWS advisory warned. Have your emergency kit ready. Beyond the cold itself, impacts of the wintry forecast could be significant icing, with total ice accumulation of up to half an inch predicted. The icing could damage trees, bring down power lines, and make area roads dangerous for commuters and those planning holiday travel. As a proactive measure, the Clackamas County road crews began 24-hour emergency coverage starting at 4 a.m. Wednesday, December 21st, with four anti-icing trucks pre-treating emergency routes around the clock. If you're driving in the Mount Hood area, do not park along county roads, county officials advised in the news release. Roads are narrow, and parked cars can make it impossible for plows or emergency vehicles to access the roads. With thermometer readings plunging into dangerous territory, overnight shelters will be open throughout Clackamas County, including Canby at Zor Lutheran Church, 190 Southwest 3rd Avenue, from 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. A meal will be offered after church activities. Dog on leash and small pets and carriers are welcome, but confirm with staff. For information, call 503-266-4061. Shelters are also available in the Malala Hope Center, 209 Kennel Avenue, and the Father's Heart Street Ministry in Oregon City, 603 12th Street. Call 503-722-9780. The Canby Public Library, 220 Northeast 2nd Avenue, is also available as a daytime warming center during normal business hours whenever temperatures reach 35 degrees or lower for a maximum stay of two hours. For a complete list of daytime warming centers and other information, visit clackmas.us relief. On Wednesday morning, Canby Mayor Brian Hodson warned of the wintry weather forecast and urged those who are able to consider volunteering at Zor Shelter. If you are feeling inclined, please reach out to them and help, he wrote on Facebook. This is an incredible community service they provide. Thank you in advance. Merry Christmas. 
Other tips and precautions from the county include staying warm inside your home by using heaters specifically built for indoor use. Do not use outdoor heaters, portable generators, barbecues, or your oven to heat the inside of your home because carbon monoxide can and will kill. Is the season to be jolly, but not reckless. So says area law enforcement agencies that are planning increased holiday patrols in the coming weeks to crack down on impaired drivers. The holiday season is a busy time for the roads. The Canby Police Department said in a Facebook post this week, to keep drivers and their passengers safe, Canby PD will participate in nationwide traffic safety campaigns to remind drivers about the dangers of drinking and driving. Canby Police plan to conduct high visibility enforcement operations from December 12th through January 2nd to keep impaired drivers off the road. Other local and regional law enforcement agencies have also announced crackdown operations and shared similar sentiments this week. If any of your holiday celebrations include alcoholic beverages and going out, designate a sober driver. Use an Uber or Lyft or have a friend on standby. The Clackamas County Sheriff's Office said on Facebook, whatever you do, do not get behind the wheel impaired. The Sheriff's Office campaign starts Thursday, December 15th, and also runs through January 2nd, with deputies using federally funded overtime hours to conduct enhanced enforcement targeting impaired drivers. Funding comes from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, administered by the Oregon Department of Transportation and Oregon Impact. The Marion County Sheriff's Office will also have additional deputies on patrol this month. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 32 people in the United States die in drunk driving crashes every day. The equivalent of about one person every 45 minutes. In 2020, 11,654 people died in alcohol-impaired incidences, a 14% increase from the previous year. New cars in Oregon and Washington have to be zero emission within the next 12 years. After new state regulators on Monday followed California's lead in approving a rule banning the sell of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. The Oregon Department of Environmental Quality said a release that all new passenger cars, trucks, and SUVs sold in Oregon must be fully battery electric or plug-in hybrid electric or fuel cell cars, a concussion intended to give flexibility, especially for those who live in communities with fewer charging stations. Used vehicles, including fully gas-powered ones, will not be affected by the ban, even with the stricter rules and uptick in EV sales. Oregon regulators estimate that at least 65% of vehicles on the road in 2035 will still be powered by internal combustion engines. All those living in Oregon will benefit from the cleaner air and improved public health outcomes achieved by reducing pollution from transportation, said Leah Felden, DEQ's interim director. This is especially true for low-income and underrepresented communities across the state who live closest to roadways and have been most impacted by poor air quality. The changes are part of the effort to hit Oregon's climate change goals, which are among the most ambitious in the country, of cutting emissions in half 
by 2035 and 90% by 2050. Officials have placed a heavy emphasis on electrifying the transit sector as the path to reaching the state's lofty emission goals, saying transportation is the country's largest single contributor of greenhouse gases, accounting for 27% of emissions in the U.S. Transportation also makes up 37% of Oregon's carbon emissions, which makes it the largest source of emissions in the state, according to DEQ. Curbing transportation emissions is a significant part of Oregon's comprehensive plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, Governor Kate Brown said, calling the new rule a major step toward meeting our goals. Oregon continues to see the consequences of greenhouse gas emissions across the state with extreme heat, more severe wildfires, winter storms, flooding and prolonged drought. And I am committed to addressing the climate crisis with urgency, Brown said. To support the increased number of electric vehicles on the road, the Oregon Department of Transportation has committed $100 million to the construction of new charging stations over the next five years. The department aims to place these stations in underserved communities in rural areas and throughout major transportation corridors. Oregon automakers have two years to meet the first compliance steps for model year 2026 cars. The state said some manufacturers have already confirmed efforts to increase the production of electric vehicles. Oregon's action on the climate crisis follows several other states, particularly California, which in August voted to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars by 2035, despite being the second largest consumer of gasoline in the U.S. Other states like New York have announced their own gas-powered car bans, while Colorado announced this month it plans to boost EV numbers without an outright ban on gas-powered cars. Republicans in the Oregon House and Senate were quick to criticize the move, saying it will harm the state's economy while making a negligible impact on the emissions. This is the latest out-of-touch example of what our state agencies and commissions have become, said House Minority Leader Vicki Breeze Iverson, Republican from Primeville. Once again, as Governor Brown's days in office are winding down, she is working to solidify her progressive legacy without being held accountable. While this decision will disproportionately hurt working-class Oregonians, it also ignores the unrealistic and short-sighted goals of the battery-powered manufacturing industry. Students are getting creative in a brand new learning lab at Lee Elementary School in Canby. Whether it be programming robots, connecting circuits, or building with Play-Doh, school officials say there's hands-on learning fun for all ages in the new Makerspace. Makerspaces are creative zones where students have the ability to explore, invent, troubleshoot, collaborate, and take risks, said Natalie Betcher, the district instructional technology support specialist who took the lead in selecting supplies for the new space. The large, flexible learning room boasts modern circular light fixtures along with windows and doors so students in the community can see the fun learning occurring inside the classroom. There are tackable surfaces, pegboards and whiteboards, there are sinks and the counter space for project work and specialty equipment. Malum Architects designed the space based on input from teachers across the district. Architect Abby Darcy and teachers wanted maximum flexibility, balance between specialized equipment and multi-use supplies, and dedicated project storage. The learning room provides all that and more, thanks to the funding from a bond voters passed in 2020. One of the goals of the bond was to expand educational opportunities by remodeling or building new spaces to support increased K-12 hands-on learning, STEM, and vocational programming within the school district. While the space itself is funded through the bond, the tools were made possible thanks to a contribution of district funding and a grant from the Canby Educational Foundation. 
Betcher was able to fill the lab with the best hands-on tools after visiting several area maker spaces for inspiration. The result is hands-on tools like Play-Doh, Magna tiles, Keva planks, Legos, sewing kits, fabrics, hammers, screwdrivers, tape measures, and more. There are robots like the Code and Go mouse for younger students and Dash robots for the older students. There are snap circuits, copper tape, LED lights, and coin batteries. The lab even has its own circuit smart cutting machine and 3D printer. Teachers can lead students using a challenge card to spark an idea, or they can plan a lesson to build on something that they have been working on in science, social sciences, or other subjects. For example, maybe they're learning about earthquakes in class, but then they get to go to the learning lab to see that they can build a Lego building with a partner that would withstand an earthquake, Betcher said. Betcher and other specialists have spent time leading student sessions in the new space and supporting teachers as they learn to navigate the new tools they can access. In the future, the district hopes to extend similar learning tools to all of its elementary schools and provide even more hands-on opportunities to help prepare students for secondary school and beyond. Frankie, what's up, dude? Ah, intruder, Alexis, call 411. <laughs> uh, who's Alexis? Oh, it's just you, Tyler. Sorry about that. You know, the days are getting shorter and darker, and before you know it, 6 p.m. is going to feel like midnight, and with the holidays coming, Christmas deliveries on the way and all, I've, I've just, I've been getting more security conscious, and I guess it's just making me a little paranoid. Yeah, so that's what all this is. Looks... Looks like quite the setup. Oh yeah. We decided to really invest in a top-of-the-line Wi-Fi connected video security system. Just one little problem. What's that? Well, just look at this. We tested it out during Halloween, and look how grainy and pixelated the video is. Everybody looks like Minecraft characters, and <laughs> only a couple were actually wearing Minecraft costumes. This is supposed to be 4K high-def video. I know, I know, you're gonna say it's my internet service provider like you always do, but I made sure to place my Wi-Fi router in a central location, and I think my download speeds are decent. <laughs> Frankie, how many times have we gotta go over this? You always focus on the download speeds, but it's the upload speeds that really matter here. When you've got cameras that are uploading data to your smartphone app through the internet. Oh. I guess I should just hope I get robbed by someone wearing a Minecraft mask. Uh, sure. Or, or you could just switch to DirectLink, where they have internet upload speeds up to 10 times faster than other local providers. Oh. For uploads at the speed of security, visit www.directlink.coop slash internet. Or give them a call, 503-266-8111. All right, on the Cami Conversation today, we are so delighted to be talking with Jason and Tara Hood. They are the founders and directors of the Hannah Grace Family, a nonprofit organization in Oregon City. Hi, hi guys, how are you? Doing good, thank you. Thanks, Tyler, doing well. Thanks so much for being on the show. So tell us a little bit about your organization, which you started, um, correct me if I'm wrong, around 30 years ago or more than 30 years ago. Well, we've been married for 31 years. Oh, that's where I saw that number. Excuse me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> yes, we've been married 31 years. Um, but you, we... you have been fostering children and whatnot for about that same amount of time. About, about 11 and a half years um, we've okay. been fostering. Excuse me. Yeah. You've been so men have... mentoring families for... 
about 30 years. Is that right? Yes. Well, okay. I mean, throughout our lifetime of doing different, you know, things with, yes. So we've been in the Oregon city area for uh, about 23 years now. Hmm. Our, our kids have grown up. Two of our adult kids are married and live in Canby. Oh, cool. And, and we've been fostering for 11 and a half years and with fostering pretty quickly, just found a lot of the, the families in and around the, the foster care system um, really need an extended family to, mm. to be a part of their life. Sometimes they come from backgrounds where there just isn't fam stable family. Some, sometimes there's just been some hard times that they've gone through and sometimes when things are done or spoken by, by people that aren't related, there's, there's something maybe more powerful about that because they can't just say, well, you have to treat me that way because you're related to me or, mm. or because it's your, your job or, or you're paid to. Mm. So we kind of saw this need and not just in the, in the kids, but, but in even the adults um, all around us in, so after, after a few years, we had lawyers, case workers, a judge that had all asked us if we could start a nonprofit to do something bigger. And we're always scrambling around doing so much as, as is, but <laughs> we, had a we had a lawyer that ended up writing up all the 501c3 paperwork for, for becoming a nonprofit that uh, believed in what we were doing. And so, so now we just a couple of years ago, we got a building in Oregon city right next to Jimmy's pizza nice. where we're able to do a lot more and, and do things in bad weather and, and not so much of just doing things through our home. So that's been a great blessing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we've got some bad weather coming down the pike from what I hear. So that, that's good news that that won't uh, impact you guys as much. <laughs> um, yes. Can you, for sure. can you, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the mission of Hannah Grace, kind of what you guys seek to do with the families um, that you work with? Well, there's with so many of the families and kids, there's, there's just uh, trauma and instability surrounding their lives uh -huh. and, and trying to bring stability to their lives. And, and maybe the, the first and most important form of that stability is just relational and trust. And, and if you have a, a family that's kind of broken up, if there's distrust within the family be, because of things that have taken place amongst family members, if there's been uh, abuse, trauma, addiction, different, different things that can re lead to um, differences that they began to, to rise up in families and, and sometimes unforgiveness. And, and so trying to build relationships where trying to, to help others recognize that the importance of, of stability and that our, our bodies are always seeking stability um, in our mind, whether we're, whether we're really cold, our body wants to bring stability. If we're lacking in sleep, our body wants to bring stability and, and sometimes we get used to living lives of, of a lot of instability. And, and especially for little kids, they, it, it's a traumatic thing, always having their life up in the air. And so hmm. we really try to be and, and offer stability and through relationships and, and, and trust with the families and kids that, that we work with and, and, hope, and hope that that's mentored also that they, that they recognize. And, and it's something that, that they kind of begin to live as, as they're um, experiencing what we're doing and, and how we're living. One of our mottos that we use a lot is restoring and cultivating hearts by redefining the value of life in children, mothers, and families that so often we, we define ourselves and have an unhealthy self-image because we really define ourselves based upon how others have treated us, things that have taken place to us. And, and so we don't see ourselves in a very healthy way or, or, or worthy of anything good. Yeah. And so when people come around that, are, that really are strangers, 
and, and begin treating you in a respectful, encouraging, loving way, it begins to redefine what, what a person's appropriate value is. And, and then they begin seeing that their life could, could amount to something uh, more beautiful than, than what they have experienced or, or believed it would come to. And mm. they, and they then begin start living in a different way themselves also, just because others believe in them and others and others are, are speaking highly of them. And they feel like there's a support system, but a support system that it's a healthy one. And it's, you know, as, as close as possible to, to just being a family that, mm. that builds you up and encourages you and, and gives you advice that doesn't have strings attached. That's trying to get something out of you, but yeah, but once wants the best to, to come out of, of your life in every way. That sounds awesome. Tara, what's, what's your kind of role in all this or what do you see as the, the work that you guys do through this organization? Well, we definitely, Jason and I are very much of a team. <laughs> we, we go hand in hand. Um, but absolutely, I think, you know, we offer a lot of we offer a lot of things at our, our building. We offer music lessons for kids um, that are guitar and keyboard lessons that we do uh, oh, cool. once a week for them. And so Jason can tell you a little bit about that um, part of it here in a little bit. But and then we also just had signed um, a contract with DHS that we're able to we got certified to be able to oversee visitations with kids and parents with the parents that, you know, that have lost or lost their kids to the system. Okay. And so we're there to help with, they call it family time now. And so I get to help oversee those visitations and, um, and DHS is, is able to use our building also and overseeing those and we're at the building. But I think what's so cool about that is because they're coming into our building, um, it's not the typical DHS family time. I get to be there and be around mm. the families and love on them and, and be able to encourage them. Just that's the part of the mentoring part is just loving on them. Um, so it's not just telling them, you know, this is what you're doing wrong or, or you know, correcting yeah, them, but right. it really is just encouraging them and loving them. And mm. I, I love that part. And they don't just go home a lot of times with the DHS or with other, um, you know, things within the system. It's, it is part of their job. So like it's a nine to five, you know, they don't, parents mm. can't really contact them outside of that. Yeah. But for Hannah Grace, uh, they totally can be able to contact us outside of that visitation if they need help or they just need someone to talk to. And, and obviously you're building that trust. You know, it's not an automatic yeah. thing that takes place, but it's building that trust over time. And that's what we did in our home. Mm. Um, when we had the foster kiddos, we just loved on the parents. We took them, you know, to the park or to the zoo, or we did things with them as a family. They often came to our home. And again, we're not talking like right off, you know, we built yeah. that trust up, but they would come to our home and, um, you know, I was able to help teach some of the moms how to cook or do laundry or, or just that multitasking, the, the tasks that you think that we all take for granted, but, but a lot of times parents didn't grow up in the best atmosphere. Um, mm -hmm. and so they don't have some of those skills, those basic skills that need to be. And so I think my, at least my role <laughs> in that part is, is a lot of, you know, you know, both parents, but specifically the moms being able to just befriend them. And one of the really neat things is in the midst of all of what we've been doing over all these years is I have some really great friends out of these parents. Like I still keep mm. in contact with them right now. I have some really amazing friends that they have, they're just a part of who we are. And I speak very highly of them. And, mm -hmm. and people always think, well, you do so much for families. And I, and I always tell people, I was like, the reality is the families do so much for us. Like, mm. I think that they build me up, you know, they build my husband up and, and my grown kids, um, two out of the three of them, uh, my daughter, she and her husband, they actually foster also, and they do very similar what we do, but they do it in their own way. You know, it's their own twist on how they do it. And uh, our middle son, he 
Um, he supports him and his wife support Hannah Grace financially. They love on the parents, but they're more involved kind of on a church side of doing ministry that way. Um, and then our youngest son, um, our youngest adult son, he actually is greatly involved within the guitar um, lesson part of it and um, loving on the children during that time and, and the parents too, but specifically the children. So I love that our kids grew up in that and they all have a little hand in in areas of our ministry. So it's not just Jason and I, but it's my my grown children that um, that are very involved too. So we we are so very, so very proud of them and so very thankful for them too. Yeah, that's awesome. Getting in on the family business as it were. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we also have two little kids too. We have a four and a five-year-old because we ended up adopting. So we're oh, wow. actually starting life all over again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bravo. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I feel like we could do a whole nother interview just about that and how that's going. So <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. But um, this really began, and I, I know you you kind of mentioned this earlier when you're talking about the, the history of it, but um, with, with the foster children that you guys took in and, and raised and, and just kind of um, over that process, learn learning that you wanted to to kind of do more with that, that you you wanted to, where possible, kind of reach out to the parents and, and bring them in, kind of minister to them. And, and even in some cases from your website, um, you know, kind of mentioning that you tried to help them restore custody or restore rights and things, if that was uh, something that they wanted, kind of wanted and was possible. That, that's, uh, I'd love to hear more about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, that was our whole, I mean, we started fostering. We, we love the little kids and they obviously come with challenges, you know, they've been yeah. through a lot. Um, but, but we saw the need for the parents, um, just how much that they needed support and love and mentoring. And so I think that that's kind of where just where it started. Um, and starting from there, we just had a lot of families that we were staying connected because when the kids, you know, we try to help restore that into reconnect if possible. And again, as we all know, not all cases are going to turn out that way. Um, but with kids returning back home, that is the best, if it's healthy and if it's good, that is the best scenario um, is for, for kids yeah. and parents to be reunited. But it's not just the reuniting part that's really key. It's the part in that mentoring ahead of time, but it's the after. When the kids go home, how do we stay connected afterwards? How do we um, still, they still have that support system? Because a lot of times, you know, they have resources that when they get kids back, then, then everything just kind of drops. But they need they need that help and that support and that love. Those kids need that love and that help and support after after that reunification. And so we've just always done that. That's something that we're very um, adamant about um, staying mm. connected afterwards. And mm -hmm. even with my daughter and son-in-law, they had a little a little guy that returned back home and um, and Josh and Whitney visit the mom often she's doing amazingly well and they have extended the, the little boy has extended family that comes up and they they all meet up in a motel because they're from out of town um out of state actually and they have a really big party and josh and whitney are always invited and they just it's just an extended family which is really cool so i feel like that that's that's the part do you not think that that's you agree yeah it's easy to describe what we do as a, as a program because almost everything's a program of 30, <laughs> 60, 90 days, right, 12 right. months, but, but really we're not, we're not a program because we're really just trying to be relational. We're trying to be mm. a, a family and, and people graduate from a, from a program and then they're just kind of out on their own. Yeah. And we, we all know, no matter who we are, that, that we just need people that care about us and, and want to, to help walk beside us, especially through, through hard times, but through good times also. And we need people that we can walk, people that will walk with us and people that we can walk with to, mm -hmm. to love others and to be, and to be loved by them also is things that just in human nature that we need. So so there's not like a graduation from a program or something, because what, what we really want to help facilitate is long lasting relationships where there's trust and there's, and there's ongoing family 
that that are there to invite over for the Super Bowl or that or the holidays mm. or, yeah. or when they're going through a hard time to to dis, to discuss something that's going on. That's something that that some some people have a a large family tree and a large healthy group of of people that are always willing to pitch in and help. And for some people, they they don't have that. Many of the families that we work with, there's been death in the family, mm. and uh, sometimes it's the dad, the mom, and there's a single parent now, uh, a grandparent that's that's raising children, and and there's just the families come from such differing backgrounds, yeah. But but all in 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 some some way, just needing a. A, a larger group of people that that care about them and and want to want to help them be successful as they continue in life. Ho ho ho! Nobody does Christmas like Canby, and the Clackamas County Fairgrounds and Event Center is proving that this year with their spectacular third annual winter fair and first ever holiday market. On Friday and Saturday nights from December 2nd through the 23rd, celebrate the festive period at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds as you've never seen it before. Decked out in a carefully designed half-mile holiday walkthrough experience featuring more than 200,000 lights and show-stopping animations. It's the best of both worlds with top-of-the-line, cutting-edge LED technology and music combined with thoughtful and artistic tributes to our most time-honored and beloved country and Christmas traditions. New this year, the holiday market will showcase more than 25 local crafters and vendors offering one-of-a-kind gifts, souvenirs, and delicious treats you can't find anywhere else, along with the best school choirs, bands, and other regional entertainment performing your Christmas favorites each night to ensure the perfect festive mood. Round out your trip to the Winter Fair with a visit to Santa's workshop to meet the jolly old elf himself for family photos every day of the fair until 8 p.m. Tickets are on sale now, $10 for adults and teens and $5 for children aged 4 to 12. Parking and children 3 and under are free. For tickets and information, visit ccwinterfair.com. Happy holidays to you and yours, and a very Merry Christmas. so cool about our, our music program that we have when Jason first brought it up to me about starting this music program I was like you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> we're so busy as it is like yeah. why would we start a music program and, <laughs> and so but he was very very sure that that we were supposed to do that and I was like mm. okay like, well you gotta take you gotta take the reins and go because yeah. that's <laughs> I'm not sure and so um but it has been one of the most coolest things ever. He was totally right in that. Um, and so I'll let Jason say a little bit about what we do. But um, aside from the program itself, the thing, you know, seeing kids be successful and being conf- having confidence. But again, we get to hang out with family, like the, the parents, the guardian, the grandma. It could be a foster parent. It could be, you know, there's yeah. a variety of different, you know, people's overseeing those children. But but we have round tables that we set up and we have snacks and drinks and and some of our some of our table group times we actually get in trouble by the instructors because we're laughing so much and we're we're having such a good time. We're always getting told to hush. <laughs> so but but it's just the coolest thing because again, you're interacting with with adults, with the parents, with people overseeing those children. And it's just, it's been really cool. But I'll let Jason kind of say a little bit about what the music program specifically does. Yeah, please. The longer and longer that we've been, we've been doing what Hannah Grace family does. We, we've asked ourselves more and more if, if these people were really our own kids or our own family, what would we do? And, and often we give second best when we in some way donate or volunteer, but if we're asking ourselves, if, if this is really my own family, 
what, how would we want them to be provided for? How would we want for them to be loved? And, and so the, the thought of, of having a music program, which is something that usually you, in this day and age, you have to have uh, pretty good finances because even schools charge additional money um, for instrument rental and different fees, but but for kids to be able to learn an instrument and, and what we do right now is guitar and keyboard. And not only is the, the learning of the instrument therapeutic, but, but it really um, helps the challenges the mind to begin working in, in different ways that are, that are beneficial academically and socially and, and just getting the, the mind to, to, to work in a different way. But the, yeah. the music the music program we have three different group classes that that meet on Wednesday that are all keyboard classes three guitar classes that are all on Thursday um, where there's instructors vol- volunteers there are instruments that are checked out to the kids with a with a one-year agreement that if they take this instrument home and they practice and they come to the lessons at the end of the academic school year, that instrument Mm -hmm. is gifted to them. Wow. So very often the kids come from backgrounds where affording an instrument, you know, isn't something that's, that's even available to them. They're all brand new instruments. They're, they're not toys. They're not starter instruments. Yeah. They're something they can be proud of their name brand and in their, a good sounding instrument. So they're given everything to be able to succeed or getting quality instruction where, where they're just learning more and more. And it's, it's valuable to their self-esteem to, to making eye contact with everybody. There's never a a cost to the kids, the families at all. Hmm. It's all of the the finances are, are met either through donors, volunteers, uh, monthly givers that to give to Hannah Grace family and through and through grants that we that we apply for, and the need is huge. Uh, our program could be could be hundreds of kids. Obviously, we really try to advertise only through a whisper because we don't want to be turning people away. Yeah, but there's there's such a huge need for for things like this for families and and for kids. But we always have to the finances have to come first to be able to uh, purchase the instruments and and everything to. Uh, to, to meet the need. So, so that's kind of a, a little bit of a nutshell of, of what the music program is. So we also begin with some smaller kids classes, which are more um, sensory therapeutic. They're mm-hmm. um, little handbells and drums and, and marching around and singing and, and facilitating that time right now. The, the one class that started is three to five years old and there'll be a another class starting up also you guys don't get enough of that at home with your four and five-year-old or <laughs> we, we, right? people like the keyboards because you can plug um, earphones into them oh yes yeah and then nobody even hears anything when they're practicing <laughs> that's great yeah yeah um i can i can see the appeal of that as well uh, well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of thinking as we're we're talking, like this is uh, this is all a program that um, and what you do is something I would love to to hear about it and have you guys on the show at, at any time of the year. But as you kind of mentioned around the holidays and and whatnot, uh, with, with the time that we're we happen to uh, connect and be talking right now, uh, do you find that um, this time of year, uh, there is maybe more of a need, more of an interest, uh, just kind of maybe having some of these tough conversations about reconciling or revisiting past hurt or just, you know, the need to maybe move on and, and see people that you haven't seen for a while is maybe just a little easier. Those conversations are a little closer to heart and a little more present uh, this time of year than maybe other times when distractions can get in the way. Well, I would say that holidays, just like for any family that gets together on holidays, sometimes there can be strife mm-hmm. and, and holidays can be a triggering time also for, for people that have gone through traumas and in hardship and instability in their, in their lives where, where for others, it's a time of great rejoicing and, and celebration 
um, to, to some, it's a reminder that they're not celebrating right now. So, so it can be a hard time right now. So, so there's, my wife is always texting, texting and messaging with, especially some of, some of the moms and, and they have a couple of different support, support groups that, that are in, in addition to, to some of, uh, some of the other things that, that we offer that are, that are just trying to, you know, facilitate um, the, the friendships and the, and the relationships and, and, and getting together and being able to talk about some of the things that, that they're going through and, and share, share successes and, and hard times that, that they're going through and, and time, times like this um, during holidays, holidays, sometimes that's, that's more necessary than, than at other times. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point that, um, you know, the, the, and I didn't mean to sort of gloss over that. Cause I know that that is correct that, yeah, the, the holidays can be a really tough time for, for people as well. Um, and, and, but that also is maybe a time when the, the work that you guys do is, is more needed than ever. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're um, running out of time here, guys, unfortunately, but um, I'd love to give you a chance to share uh, how folks can find out more about the programs you do or if they uh, potentially uh, might know someone or might have need themselves to, to check you out, how they could do that. Um, yeah, they for well, we have our website, which is hannahgrace.org. So they can go on there. Um, we also have our Facebook page. It's just um, Hannah Grace Family. And we do most of our more of a social media on there. So that's always something we are always welcome. People can contact us if they want. We have phone numbers on there um, on both sites. But if they want to sit down and have coffee with us or just be able to talk and learn more, if they want to see our building, we'll totally give them a little tour of our building. We try to make it very a home-like setting. It's, it's a commercial building, but it's each room is kind of designed more of a, like in a home. Um, and so that's really, really a neat thing. It's different. And everybody comes in and is like, Oh, this is not what I expected. <laughs> so we love it. Um, so yeah, with those are the two areas where they can definitely contact us and um, we will get back to them. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Last thing I wanted to ask, I, I meant to ask earlier, but I just remembering it now, but where does the name come from? Hannah Grace family. Hannah means grace. So it's really a double portion of grace or almost a, sometimes I say a conspiracy of grace where we're trying to, with, with families, it's easy sometimes to look at someone and, and, and see, um, how God has been so gracious to them in the family that they've been born into and, and for some people, it seems like life has been so easy. And for, for others, at least on the surface, it, it hasn't been that. And, and so really just trying to, to make sure that, that those around us know that they're valuable and, and that, the, that the grace of God would come to, to each person in, in one way or, or another. Some, it comes just into the family that you're born into and, it, and things just go, you know, relatively smooth and you always feel stability and and love in the place you were born into and 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 for some it's not like that and there's a lot of other hardships and things like that so it's it just means grace grace (laughs) (laughs) i think that's awesome very cool uh, well, Jason and Tara Hood, thank you so much uh, for taking time out today and, and talking to us. Um, uh, their uh, organization, again, is Hannah Grace Family and hannahgrace.org is their website to check them out. Um, thank you, guys. Anything else that you wanted to share before you go? No, I think it just thank you, Tyler, for allowing us to to connect with you. This is This is all new to us. We're kind of like oldies in this so that all these podcasts and like social media is all this newfangled stuff that we're really like uncomfortable <laughs> so, well, well, you so we're did, trying to get used to all of this <laughs> you did great i i would i could hardly tell uh you seem like old pros at the podcasting so <laughs> well thank you with, with an emphasis on old <laughs> <laughs> not at all not at all um <laughs> 
Thank you, Tyler. Yes, yeah, thank you yeah, very much. Young, young pros. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Right. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, take care and Merry Christmas. Merry All right, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, Or that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't, like, animal-related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest-running, locally-owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te- I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Now Hear This Canby is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Canby by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe and we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though. (laughs)